Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode six of Now We're Talking, a podcast about communication skills. My name is Rob Danish from the University of Waterloo, and in the last few episodes, we've been talking mostly about interpersonal communication practices. Today, we're going to change course a little bit and talk about what I think of as one of the key small group communication practices, and uh, I was just writing about it this week, so it's on my mind, and I thought it would be a good thing to discuss um, and I'll, I've also recently seen a couple of spectacularly bad examples of this at work, so um, they're they're both fresh in my mind. Um, and that's facilitation. We're going to talk about how to facilitate a difficult or complex conversation. And uh, I work at a university, obviously, and I've worked at several different universities. And over the years, I've seen many people in uh, leadership positions, executive leadership positions of the university, deans, provosts, associate deans. And very, very, very rarely do I see someone capable of facilitating a conversation in an effective manner. Very frequently, I see conversations that sort of go awry and that have a great deal of animosity and conflict in them. And no one sort of knows how to facilitate things to generate mutual understanding and to reach an effective decision. Uh, so I think facilitation is actually quite a rare skill and uh, an important one for those of you listening that want, want to occupy leadership positions one day in organizations or leadership positions of teams. Okay, so small group communication is different than interpersonal communication. Obviously, in the interpersonal episodes, we've been talking about what happens between two people in a kind of one-on-one -on -one setting. Now we're going to talk about what happens um, when there's a group or a team. And a group or a team is usually more than two and somewhat less than 20. Uh, sometimes group conversations can include 30 or 40 people. Those get more and more complex and more and more difficult. Uh, the ideal size of a team, which I'll talk about in some episode, is around six to eight people. But still, those teams require some degree of facilitation. The reason facilitation is so important for teamwork is that usually, if you have a collection of, say, eight to 10 people, they have different perspectives, different ideas, different levels of expertise, different kinds of knowledge, different histories, different cultural backgrounds, potentially different set. They bring a different set of assumptions to the table. There's the, the group is marked by difference. Not everyone automatically agrees with everyone else. So conversations can sometimes revolve around those differences or implicate those differences. And you can get misunderstanding or confusion or disagreement or confrontation. Um, a good facilitator, uh, the first job of a good facilitator is to generate mutual understanding among the participants in a conversation. So the first thing you want is to facilitate the conversation so that everyone sort of understands each other. The second thing a good facilitator wants is the ability to make or to lead the group to make a good decision. And a good decision is something that all the members of the group can largely agree with and support and that achieves whatever the functional goal of that group is. The functional goal might be as simple as figuring out what to eat for dinner or as complex as charting a new organizational strategy for a large company. But a good facilitator is able to generate understanding and then generate a good decision 
and by good I mean binding and agreeable to all of the participants, that has the support of all the participants, and that achieves a, a functional goal or achieves the functional goal that's been set out for by by the group. Uh, I'm not. I, I want to be careful about what I'm not talking about here. I'm not talking about making an agenda and following an agenda. Most of the meetings I go to have an agenda. The person who's called the meeting or leads the meeting circulates the agenda either beforehand, during the meeting, on a piece of paper. Sometimes they announce it out loud. We've got four points to discuss today, point one, point two, point three, point four. Um, and then the person that's running the meeting will go through the agenda. Okay, we're going to talk about this now. I think we've exhausted that topic. We're moving on to the second point of the agenda, which is this. Facilitation is not that process. Facilitation does not need to be done by the leader of the meeting necessarily, although it's quite good when the leader does do the facilitating. It makes the process run more smoothly and more effectively, but it, that's not necessary. Uh, making an agenda, anybody can do. A monkey can do it. And following the agenda, again, anybody can do that. A monkey can do that. Uh, facilitation is a different kind of communication practice altogether. So uh, when I teach my students, I teach them what I call, and I don't know anyone else who calls it this, but it's what I call it, so I'm going to call it that on the podcast. I call it the RED method, R-E-D. And it's an acronym. The R stands for rephrase, the E stands for extend, and the D stands for direct. So a good facilitator does all three of those in order. They rephrase, extend, and direct comments from others. So why? let me give you an example of how this might work. So I'm in a group of six, and that group of six is a kind of university students who have to do a project. And the project involves a digital design of a new, uh, a new advertisement for the university, something like that. I'm making this up as I go along. So the group gets together and starts to discuss what kind of ideas they have for the di digital design. So person A makes a contribution. They say, you know, I like designs that feature animals. So now the facilitator needs to rephrase or restate what was just contributed. So the facilitator says, okay, uh, I, I hear that you like designs with animals. We've talked about this already in active listening and mirroring. The facilitator is doing some active listening and some mirroring. Why? Number one, you do it to make the person that made the contribution feel like they have been confirmed for their contribution. They feel like they're an active member of the group because you've restated or rephrased what it is that they've said. Second, you're giving the person that made the contribution an opportunity to clarify or um, refine what their contribution was. A lot of time in group work, people are excited, they're chatty, they've got lots of ideas going, and they want very badly to contribute. But not all, and not everyone expresses themselves perfectly the first time through. So a facilitator opens up the opportunity for the original speaker to make some sort of refinement to what they were saying. So if someone says, I like a design with animals, the, the facilitator says, oh, so you like designs with animals. And the person has the opportunity to say, well, not just any animals. I like designs with um, dogs in them. So you like designs with dogs in them. That's the process. Now we have a better understanding of the kind of design the first person is recommending. Repeating also allows other members of the group to hear the thing a second time and makes, uh, makes it more certain that the other members of the group are actually going to understand what the first contributor said. So in group processes, lots of people are only thinking about their own contribution. So they're ignoring everyone else. They're trying to think what they're going to say next and they might not hear entirely what the first person had to say. So restating generates that kind of level of mutual understanding somehow. 
um, or it makes it more likely that others in the group have also heard. So rephrase. Second is to extend. By extend, I mean you have to make some connection between that contribution the person made, the larger functional goal, some other contributions other people have made, some other areas of concern. Um, whatever's happening, the facilitator makes a link between the contribution to tie it to the other things that are going on in the group. Well, okay, you like digital, you like digital designs with dogs in them. Uh, person B over there had also said they like designs not with dogs, but that were cute somehow. So I think a dog can be a cute thing. We could use the dog as a symbol to advance the cute design. Now, there I made a connection. I've made a link, and I've extended the contribution in a useful or productive way. Here I think it's good to think of, to, to imagine an orchestra conductor as a facilitator. The orchestra conductor is trying to make sense of the relationship between one part of the orchestra and the other so that they are harmoniously playing together. The facilitator is trying to make connections between one part of the group and another part of the group or one set of concerns and another set of concerns. Um, so you rephrase, you extend, or you kind of you extend by making a set of connections or making a connection explicit and then you direct and directing can involve anyone in a, no, any one of a number of things it can involve pointing to or pointing out where the conversation might go from there it can involve laying out specific options that have already been articulated and asking the group which options they prefer it could mean suggesting a line of thinking that's been ignored so far that we that the group now has to think about connections to. So person A says, you know, I like designs with dogs in it. I say, okay, you like designs with dogs. Uh, So-and-so also likes designs that are cute. I think we can link the ideas of cute and dogs. But we haven't really addressed where we're going to get the money to build this digital design. So now I've directed the conversation from thematic content to financial concerns. Or I say, okay, so we've heard that we can make a design with, with cute dogs in it, but another part of the team also wants to make a severe, dark, sort of scary design. So we have two options in front of us. We have the scary design option and we have the cute dog design option. The job of the group now is to choose between the two options. So there I'm facilitating. I'm directing the conversation where it needs to go. I'm suggesting what the next step in the conversation ought to be, how the group can reconcile its differences about the two different design ideas. And, um, and then I wait and I listen. So someone says, well, I can't really support a, um, a design with cute dogs in it. That just seems ridiculous to me. And I rephrase. I said, okay, so it sounds problematic to you, this dog idea. You really don't want to pursue it and you feel strongly about it. And I go back to person A. Person A, what do you think about the reaction of person Z who feels really strongly about this dog idea? Uh, I've directed and tried to link up or connect the two concerns. That's what a facilitator does. Facilitator rephrases, extends by making connections, directs by suggesting next courses of action or who might also contribute. Um, I've seen people in all sorts of leadership positions muck this up in every way imaginable. Usually the first step in mucking it up is not rephrasing or not repeating, not practicing active listening as the facilitator. And you'd be amazed how quickly 
uh, small group communication practices or, or projects can spiral out of control and conversations can become uh, totally unrelated to the functional goal or the, the original purpose of a meeting. I've seen this too many times where so person, someone in the room makes a contribution that's hostile, that's negative, that's critical, that's uh, really confusing or unrelated. In those moments, it's most important for the facilitator to be a generous active listener, to look for the, the kernel inside what someone is, someone is saying that can be useful or can be understood. So let's say I have a group member that goes on a huge rant and the rant seems largely unconnected to what's going on with the group. I can restate the rant. I can say, okay, so you seem very frustrated at this thing X, which is unrelated to the project. I'm wondering about the connection between thing X and the project. Is that just a general frustration or does that frustration bear somehow on uh, the problem we have in front of us? I, I direct, I extend it, and then I direct it back to the person that's engaged in the rant. Um, See, I'm trying to make a connection between the rant and, and everything else. I can't make, necessarily make that connection, but I can direct the conversation back and ask the person to make the connection. And if the person can't make the connection, then I say, oh, it sounds like you can't make a good connection. That's an important concern, but I think we can leave it aside for right now and return to the goal of the group. There, I've extended, I've rephrased, extended, and directed again. I've restated the, the concern. I've extended it by saying, well, it doesn't look like there's a connection here. So it's valuable and important, but we'll leave it to the side. And then I've directed the conversation back to the original topic. That kind of pattern of rephrasing, extending, and directing is a useful way out of really bad communication practices that are happening in a group when a group is getting distracted or getting hostile. Uh, now, there are other instances in which a group might engage in open and harmful conflict. So you might have people that, you know, person X says something and person Y says back to person X, well, I hate that idea. It's a stupid idea. We shouldn't do that and is really insulting about it. But you don't, as the facilitator, you don't have to leave the process behind. You just have to soften the language a little bit. So you say back to the person who's being highly critical, okay, so it sounds like you really dislike this idea, you feel passionately with that dislike. Um, but I'm wondering if you can tell us more about the set of concerns that underlie your objection. You know, where is it really coming from so that we can understand better? So I've tried to extend it and then I've directed the conversation back so I can get a better understanding. Then I can say back to the original person, person Y doesn't like your idea very much. He seems to be feel this way about it. What's your response to this? I'm trying to link up the, the two concerns and facilitate some, some generation of, of mutual understanding. Um, okay, why engage in this kind of facilitation? What's the payoff here? Uh, the payoff is, and if we go back to the first, the, uh, the very first episode, I've asked you to ask what effective I had, not did you get it? The purpose of facilitation is not to make sure different people in the group get all the information they need. It's not just that. The purpose of facilitation is to um, coordinate different levels of knowledge and information in the group, make sure through that process of coordination, other members of the group feel a deeper sense of commitment and a deeper sense of loyalty and a deeper sense of interpersonal liking for the other members of the group. And what's remarkable about good facilitation is that that sense of, of commitment and loyalty and liking 
can actually be manufactured even if there's significant disagreement if someone facilitates the, the, the building up of mutual understanding. So you can leave a group meeting thinking, I think this idea the group is about to pursue is really not a good idea. It was not the idea that I had. It's not the idea that I want to see the group pursue, but I feel a greater degree of commitment and loyalty and liking for this group, so I'm going to support the idea anyway. And I understand it. I understand why others want this idea. So that generation of mutual understanding can uh, produce group support and group commitment even in the face of disagreement. It's a way of holding together different or competing perspectives without having those different or competing perspectives reduce the group process to um, destructive criticism, destructive confrontation, essentially. Now, um, this becomes even more important the more highly complex the task is. So if you have a team of eight engineers and they're trying to build a spaceship or whatever engineers build these days, and it's a highly complicated thing, and one of the engineers feels very passionately about one particular technical solution, another engineer feels passionately about a different technical solution, that group needs a process of facilitation to hold it together, to hold a kind of commitment and loyalty and liking together, and to generate understanding between different competing voices in the group. And if we do all that, we actually boost the likelihood that the group will make a good functional decision. And by good functional decision, I mean in that case, they'll build a spaceship that actually flies or that actually gets to space instead of building one that breaks. And it's more likely that we'll build a spaceship that breaks if we don't generate that degree of mutual understanding, if we don't engage in the process of facilitation to ask others to uh, rephrase or refine or extend or direct their contributions or connect up their contributions with other contributions. It's the surest way to, um, to make good decisions about highly complex issues also. Um, now, if you are actively in a leadership position, you can ask yourself, when's the last time you facilitated a, different conversa a difficult conversation in this way? Um, I, I, I don't want to talk about the people that I work with necessarily, but like I said at the beginning of this episode, I rarely, rarely, rarely see this. And when you don't have facilitation, what you do have is lots, lots of misunderstanding, lots of, and potentially lots of tension or lots of conflict that goes unresolved. So in the absence of facilitation, you tend to have the presence of misunderstanding people not really knowing why other people or different people hold the positions that they hold um, and feelings of hostility about that misunderstanding or that level of, of misunderstanding. Now, if you're not in a position of leadership, it doesn't mean you can't facilitate a conversation. And in fact, if you were to do this in a group setting or in a meeting setting, do some rephrasing, extending, and directing, people would implicitly start to turn to you and look to you as the kind of leader of that group. Um, sort of by default, even if you're not the one distributing the distributing the agenda and moving from point A to point B on the agenda. Facilitation can also happen informally, though. Sometimes informal conversations need to be facilitated. Um, sometimes it can just be a conversation between two people and you are introduced as the facilitator. Uh, mediators do this. I, what I've broken down is the kind of simplistic form of media of dispute resolution whereby you, you rephrase the comments made by one party and then you extend them in a kind of careful way and then you direct them back to the other party 
in hopes that the other party now better understands and you kind of try to move the conversation in a particular direction. So rephrase extended direct works for uh, dispute resolution also. Um, I, can't, I can't underscore how important this, this little practice is and how beneficial it can be, especially for difficult conversations, especially for difficult conversations. You want people to feel emotionally confirmed by their participation and they'll hold their beliefs a little less rigidly if they feel a degree of confirmation and understanding from the group. That's why facilitation allows for competing perspectives to be held sort of together in harmony without reduced, without being reduced to conflict or disagreements. Okay, so today was a really pretty simple communication practice. It's as specific as, as we can get. I recommend everyone out there practice some facilitation at some point in, any, in whatever group settings they find themselves in. Um, maybe we'll keep going with some other, whether small group communication practices in the next few episodes. In the meantime, every, I hope everyone has a great week. And if there are any comments or questions, you can leave them and we'll deal with questions one day in one of the episodes. Thanks and see everyone next week.